in the yeshiva, my good friend, Rabbi Duvi, Rabbi Yonah David Weiss. Somebody, please do something. Um, I have to have an echo. Get Mark Lipsy's. This is um, a couple of days ago, I believe it was Monday, was his brother's yurt site, his brother Robbie's yurt site, the first yurt site. And Rabbi Weiss, as a supporter of the Shear and as someone who's given us a lot of good input and a lot of good feedback, my partner here in the Yeshiva and on our podcast website, just cover that thing with something. Put a put a put a sock on it or something. <laughs> Don't have the echo. Okay, it's yeah, it's kind of cool. If help us out here, okay, okay. Uh, on our podcast website, as you'll notice, there's a number of tremendous shiurim by Rabbi Weiss, brilliant and interesting and uh, just fascinating. And I learn a lot every time I listen to them and figure out the way to upload them and uh, it's a big covet for us to have him here in the shear and it's a specific covet for me to be asking to say Dvarim Le'ili Nishmas his brother Yaakov Yehud ben Revnata Can someone help us, please, stop the echo because it's really going to it's going to distract me and it's going to it's, and it's also going to cause a problem in the recording. I have no idea, and I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to make it louder. What are we trying to? He doesn't like the echo. Can you just turn this off? So wait, is this down here? Okay. Robbie was nifter last year. Last year, I came up with. Thank you, Andrew. I came up with two psukim that I thought were appropriate. Last year, I came up with this pasuk, and I think maybe you might have remembered that when we gave a shear for the sloshim. Yismach tzadik b'ashem v'chosabo v'yisalu kol yishrei lev, which translates, of course, is that the tzadik has simcha with Hashem. A tzaddik on a madrega of dveikus to the Ravonah Sholem and trust in God. And when a tzaddik has that type of madrega, and we know about that, we see it. He doesn't necessarily publicize it, but we can tell the type of bitochen that he has. All Yishrelev now become able to feel great about themselves and great about the Ravonah Sholem. And I think I said this last year, I don't remember 100%, but I know, Rabbi Weiss, I know that your brother was a, a, a standout individual, and he gave people tremendous encouragement. And people saw him and his friendliness and, and the way he was, he was caring and his concern. Uh, I'm not going to say Tzadik Bashem, but I know he definitely has tremendous amuna in the Rabbi Shalom, and he had tremendous chosei boy. And... Having him around, and it's it, this is a very terrible vacuum of him not being here. But when he was here, all people could feel a sense of ilui, a sense of chizuk, the same way as a tzaddik when they see his avoda and bitochen b'ashem, yisalu ko yishrei lev, and that's Yaakov. Yoel, I found this pasuk in Yeshaya this morning, and this is a pasuk where Yeshaya is speaking about. The Tsarist that Klal Yisrael is reeling from, and what we hope the Rabbanu Shalom is going to tell us, 
that the Shalom is going to say, Yichyu that the people who have died, Nebuch, who've died on Kiddush Hashem, the people who've died for God, will come to life again. The people who who lived for God, the people who Nebuch, just like the the Pasuk says, Nevela of the Navi, who now just seem to be something dead on the earth, Hakitsu, they're going to wake up, Verinanu. This, by the way, was the title of one of Avigdor Miller's famous books, Awake and Sing. It comes from this Pasuk. Hakitsu, Veraninu, Shaykh Neyofer. That they're going to wake up, they're going to praise and sing, they're going to give out Shevach. I'm going to ask one more time. If somebody can help us here with this, um, with the technology here. Okay? Uh, we, we have an echo, and we also don't have a full screen. Yeah? Yeah, I can, I, I can hear. The keyboard is here. Okay. Okay, thank you, David. Because the Tal is the Tal, again, it's what Eiris means, whether it's a type of plant or it's the light of God. But the Tal, as we know, the Tal that God restores the living with is the Tal of the light of God. And the earth will sort of like exude from itself the people who had been Rafoyim. This is a vision of Trias Amesim. That even though they look like Mesecha, Nevelis, Rafoyim, we know that there's going to spring to life. Many times when we come so close to death, it gives us a, a, a terrible feeling, a feeling of helplessness, because the ultimate mortality of, of human beings tells us about how finite we are, how limited we are. And what we expect for Tchiyas HaMezim, and this is the Rashi Tevis of Yoel, is a complete Tchiyah, a complete, thank you, Mark, a complete Tchiyah, a complete Tchiyah of Tchiyas HaMezim that's actually going to give us a tremendous Tchiyah. And that's what the Malbim says there on that Pasuk. The, the Malbim says... So you can see here on the board, we're going to try to get you a full screen very soon. From the depth of our pain, whether it's an ovel, a person who's thinking in tsar, whether it's a person who thinks about terrorism and other terrible things, and people who are victims of terrorism, victims of terrible situations, stuck in difficult financial or physical travails, the thought of Tchiyas HaMesim gives us a Ruach Chodosh, Ruach Tikva V'yamuna. It looks now like the bones are dry. But by reading this nevua, by reading this pasuk that we've inscribed here for the Zakaran of Rabbi, this pasuk can give us hope on that world to come. Sounds almost breathless. Not to have Yish in any way, shape, or form. So this is Yichyu Meisachom Yitz Hashem. It's 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 always a, a difficult situation, and I understand when it comes to this. But Yitz Hashem, this this we should we should get chizuk and an ilu yanefesh when we think about it, as we say every day in davening. May Mr. Machayim Atzmiach Yeshua. Um, I. Uh, but, you know, inspired by the love 
that Rav Duvi and Rabbi had for each other and people who know them saw that on a constant basis. And the encouragement and support, Mark, we need you, that existed. I, I, I have everything over here. It's, it's ready for you to save us. Between them, edit this out, edit this out later. The Chuvas and Paiskimshir, we're going through it. We're going to actually not only do this week, but I, it gave me this idea of rabbinic brothers working together although they might stake themselves out separately. And I have a, it started really percolating in my head a couple of weeks ago when Rabbi Weiss uh, graciously uh, donated the, the, for the shear today. I said, I, I want to talk about brothers. And, and it's interesting that, that we don't have a, a greater history, a greater sense. I mean, it's almost, if people that are born from um, the same womb and have the same DNA, you would have expected more. You would have expected there to have been a slew of brother teams, of Rabbonim, of brothers together working. I mean, especially if, if one person in the family becomes a, uh, a, a posik and a, a great writer, you would have expected, wow, again, can you imagine? Maybe, you know, uh, the brother should work together. Um, and yet we don't really have that much. There, there, there is a little bit here, and I think compared to the, the large amount of rabbinic literature, I think those uh, exceptions are going to be very interesting for us. And I have, I have one, especially uh, today, a rabbinic a one from the more modern time, about 200 years ago. I want to start, though, if you don't mind, uh, with the classic, the classic brothers. Are we able to get a full screen on this? Yeah. Okay. You could you could come here and work on my computer as well. Okay. The Pusik says in the very beginning of one of the, the major mitzvah that's given to Klal Yisrael of Kiddush Achodesh, the Pusik says, Dabru Koladas. Both of you should speak. So Rashi quoting I believe Chazal. I got that, thank you, Mark. Please come earlier next time. We'll save you some falafels. Um, I don't think there's anything left in there. In other words, later in, in Sefer Shmois, ach, meaning Rashi is quoting that you're the one that needs to speak. The main Torah source was Moshe. So what does this mean, Moshe and Aaron spoke? We all know that Moshe got the Nevuah. We all know that Moshe was the prime brother. He was the one that got everything. And, and yet here, was it sort of like a, like a little crumb that was being thrown to, to Moshe Rabbeinu? Ella, cholken kovoid Moshe and Aaron had respect of each other. Now, we've given some shiurim here in the past about what kavod means. And kavod just doesn't mean, and, and again, it doesn't just mean bowing and, and uh, uh, standing on, or bowing on ceremony. It's actually recognizing the significance of the other. Cholk and kavod is Aaron, obviously recognizing what's great about Moshe, and Moshe recognizing what's great about Aaron. And as I, as we said in the shir, if you remember, it's online as well, the shir about Shalinogu Kovud Zebezeb by the Tamida Rabbi Akiva, the idea of Kovud is what that person has that I don't have. That's what Kovud is, recognizing what the other person has 
that makes me aspire to be more like him or realize that's something I don't have and why I need that person. Moshe and Aaron, despite coming from the same womb, essentially, from, from Yocheved, having the same father, had different strengths. And they said to each other, Lamdeni, teach me. Each one teach the other. Each one teaches the other. Each one is going to teach the other a little bit of that approach. Again, you'll sit here and say, well, okay, probably, you know, Aaron was known as a greater people person. Everyone knows the Chazal that Rashi quotes, Vayivchu kol b'nei Yisrael is Aaron, right? Everybody loved Aaron. Aaron was, seemed to have a greater people touch. And you could say that's one thing that, that, that Moshe maybe was, it's hard to say that maybe Moshe was missing. Uh, the Rav or Salvechik, who's going to be mentioned in this series as well, um, and his brother, but we're going to have Rav Salvechik, famously said in the in one of the in, in, in the Hamish Droshos, when in one of the Droshos when he speaks, actually I'm sorry, it's the Hespid for the Briskarov. <laughs> it was the Hespid on the Briskarov, his uncle. He speaks about the loneliness and the sense of a Moshe Rabbeinu who was not understood by the people as much as Aaron. Aaron, because of his love of people, because of his people skills, was w- w- the loss of Aaron was more greatly felt. But because of Moshe's super Torah personality that was beyond, people felt they couldn't even approach him. And in that way, Moshe perhaps needed Aaron to have, with some help, because clearly uh, the effective rabbi is the one that is able to counsel and to be connected and go go and do things like Aaron did in terms of making shalom. Rabbi, I have two questions. Yeah, yeah. Moshe and Aaron didn't team up. Hashem told them that they're going to work together. Right? Starting with, with Paro. Right? When they go to Paro, right? Right. It, it, it was kind of, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, didn't come naturally. Secondly, I, 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 I don't know why you're saying it didn't come naturally, but go, but, but, but you're right. No, it, was, it was orchestrated. That I agree. It was orchestrated, right? It was orchestrated for God's I'm plan. They, they didn't team up naturally. They worked together naturally. Well, the brothers were born together, but I think that's pretty natural. And yeah. then when, when Yisro came with his Eitzah, you don't find Aaron any, anywhere. Uh, good question. Place. Good question. Why? Uh, what, what is, uh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute when I quote the Nitziv, you're going to see in a second. But we start off with the sense that, that when Moshe and Aaron, again, Chazal are telling us, it isn't just, hey, here's my buddy Aaron, my older brother, and he's a great guy. Lamdeni, teach me something. And somehow, by opening yourself up to what the other person can give you, it's ki'ilu shneim medabrim. And even though we know Moshe was the essential one, but the fact that Moshe was open to the contribution of Aaron, it seemed as if it was Moshe and Aaron speaking. I don't know if that was every single Debor of the Torah, but this one for sure, this Debor of, of, of HaKodesh HaZelachem, this Debor of Edus HaKodesh, this Debor, and perhaps in many of them. And I think that's really the trick. Now, you're right, uh, Yahiki. It was orchestrated by God, but but this trick to be able to get two different types of brothers who are that's part of what um, this idea of working together could be. I, I want to point out. Right, that's the. That, you're right, Mark. That's the Gemara Neirvin. That, that, but that's like a Chazara, right? He's repeating and probably adding. He's repeating and probably adding. That's a good point. But it's still, it, it doesn't, I think this Chazal that Rashi's quoting here is a little deeper because it's saying Lamdeni. It isn't just 
Moshe gave it over four times and sat down. Then Aram gave it over four times. You might get the impression from there that it was just our own parroting Moshe, right? Um, and, and, and testing himself. Did you say it right? Did you say it well? Did he add stuff? So uh, the truth is, is that even, you know, Yankee's question is dealt with by the Zohar HaKadosh, and it's not one of the sources. You notice, by the way, uh, uh, Mitch, you're going to be happy there was only five sources today, because if you've mentioned before that when I put 20 sources, it's like it overwhelms everyone. I only put, but two of them actually are repetitive to each other. The Zohar HaKadosh, which is not up there, says that Moshe Ba'aron, Shnei Roshe each had their own Sanhedrin. That's what the Zohar Kodesh says. And then the Zohar talks about the Midos of Moshe, of Netzach, and Aram being Hod, and how the, the Koach of Psach was somehow different. That Zohar, that Moshe and Aaron, that Aaron held his own, that Aaron had his own Bezdin, so to speak, um, is developed by the Nitziv, uh in a very unique way. And I want to start with that, and then we'll move on to uh, the next one. So, the Pusik says by the, a terrible thing occurred, in, it's mentioned in Parsha Shlach, that they found someone being Machal Shabbos. They found the Makoshesh being Machal Shabbos. And it says that, that they brought him El Moshe, V'el Aharon. It mentions Moshe V'el Aharon. So the Mitziv says, I hope you can see it here. This is from uh, the Safaria website. Yagi. El Moshe V'el Aharon, Hapir Sharogil, Hushiyesh V'biachad. Aharon was sitting with Moshe together. But he says it's different. It says, Chosim Hu Be'inyan Hayro. He says... Over there, it could make sense that by the Bnei Tzlovchot and Pesach Sheini, that Aaron was sitting there as well. And could be, bring someone else there. Avil Khan, he says, here, he says, it, it really, this question about Din, this question about what to do with the Machal Shabbos, he says, we don't need to say El Moshe V'El Aaron. He says, Eleinian, the Moshe of Aaron, why does it mention Aaron here? The Moshe of Aaron are Yishnei Roshi Sedhedroyas. That's the Lotion of the Zohar, although he doesn't mention it. Kol Echod Bekoach Acher. Why? Because even if you take a look in the Parsha Shoftim, when it speaks about what the makeup of a Sanhedrin is, a Sanhedrin is supposed to have a Kohen or a Shofet. Kohen is the power of Aaron, and Shofet is the power of Moshe. Why? Because he says that if Kol, look at this, Kol Din Mikvar. There are certain laws that they already knew what the halacha was. They didn't need to ask a question, right? You come to a bezdin, you come to a dayan, a rav writes a sefer, a chiddush and Torah is based on something that you don't know. It's based on extracting something from previous knowledge. So davar kvar nechtach al one way is One is, well, I know it was true in this case. This case seems to be similar. Let me just use my... It seems to be a similar idea. I'm, able, I'm extrapolating because I found a commonality. The Gemara does this all the time. The Gemara is 
and, and Tyrus and Kotrim and right throughout. And that's the power of Dimwi Milsila Milsa. And sometimes you're shocked by the ability to do that. Wow, is that really the same principle? I guess so. This is about shotness, but this is about chametz, but it's still the same idea of things being Austria, it seems, yeah. That's the idea of using pure svara, stripping away the externals, and finding <coughs> the elemental intellectual point. But the Nativ says, and he has a reason for saying this, by the way, It's brilliant, but it's only, it doesn't become a concrete as part of Torah forever. It, it was. It, nobody can say mm, that. That comparison sound, sounds uh, sounds sounds sound. It sounds like it's correct, but we're not necessarily going to uh, uh, canonize it as halacha. Bays. The second way Torah works is That's opening up the book and saying, okay, what are the principles here? How do I darshan this word? Okay, what are the 32 midos? Which mid are we going to employ over here? Hayrozu, the Nitziv says, nasis mishnah That's the thing that if you're able to extract it from the previous book of knowledge, 32 midos, 13 midos, and, and it seems like we've done it correctly, that now becomes canonized as law. So Mishum Hochiksiv Shuyavoel Aaron. I'm sorry, that's why it says in Parsha Shoftim, go to the Kohen. Because if the argument that they they had in the communities was is it comparable or not? Is this idea similar to this other idea? The Kohen Godel, or the Kohen who's in the Sanhedrin, has this Yerusha from the original Kohen, from Aaron, the idea of the Svara. And the Kohen Godel is the Godel Bahiro. Right? And the Kohen Godel brings his own par helem dover, right? Because that's his koach. His koach is in hayro'ah, but not, it's not based on a diuk in, in, the, in the words. It's not based on application of a midah. It's more based on a brilliant blitz einfal, as we say in Yiddish. Which means, wow, that's an incredible similarity that you saw there. Now, but if what it's about is, hmm, how do we connect this? Uh, is, is, does this phrase mean what we think it means? Then you come to the Shofet. So he says, in the Midbar, Moshe Rabbeinu was the head of the Sanhedrin in terms of he knew the exact words. He knew the words of the Torah, the way they were written. Even after God gave it to him, he still could be inventive. All right? And he paces, right? But Aaron was the Rosh Sanhedrin Bahirah. That's why it says by, by the Kohanim, Lachayres has been a Yisrael. So this was the question. The Makoshesh did something. Now, what does that mean? He did, is this an act of a Malach or not? Is he Chayiv Misa for gathering whatever he gathered and placing them in piles neatly? Is that considered an act of Chil Shabbos? Is that, is that a Malach or not? So first, they took it to Moshe. They said, do you have a pshat and pasik from what you heard that this includes it? And then they said, maybe Aaron can prove it based on svara. But in other words, is, can you, from what we've seen in other places, by the way, this pshat in the Nitziv is, 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 is very much meduyik in the machlekes that Moshe and Aaron had, the famous machlekes, as you know, in Parsha Shmini, which was, should they eat, should the, um, 
Oh, should you eat the chattas rishchodesh or not? Should you eat that chattas rishchodesh if you're an onen? And and Aaron bested Moshe in that way because Aaron compared it and said, "No, this is different. There's something that something that was an inaugural uh, event mm-hmm. that was unique." then the aninus doesn't impact it. But something that's part of the normal give and take of every day, there the halacha would be that you can't eat the uh, the carbon. And that was our own actually besting Moshe at his own game. And Moshe says, Vayitav, right? That's what it says. Vayitav be'ede Moshe. Moshe says, yeah, that's right. Amoda. So there is an example of, of the Nitziv's point. It's unfortunate that Safari, at least... I didn't have enough time to, to, to stick around with it, but I did, when I went to a different site, I, I found that what I was looking for, which is the Nitziv's proof to this, and this is in the Harchim Dover, over there. Um, so take a look, I hope you can see it alright. He says, in Ovester of Nosen, the, the, it says, How do you know that if you have someone who you're a chaver with, you should still treat him like a rav. That even though he's your chaver, again, today we sometimes look at that as a as a distancing. Like a lot of times I'll sit on the bezden and I'm the same age as these people and, and I know that the dayan who calls me rabbi all the time, he's, <laughs> that's a distancing, right? The one that I'm friendly with, I say, oh, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yankif, Rabbi Yankif, right? The one who calls me Rav Kivalevich, right? You know, what Rabbi Kivalevich is trying to say, I almost get the sense that they're trying to distance themselves from me. Right? Because you're friendly with someone. If you're friendly with someone, you call him by his first name, like when you're talking. But Obister of Nelson says, actually, there's a positivity of someone who's, even though you're a friend, you should address him like a Rebbe. Where do you see that? Because Aaron said to Moshe, um, by, when, when the question was, what would happen to Miriam, about Miriam getting the Tsaras, he said, Vayomer Aaron el Moshe bi Adoni. So the, listen to what the Chazal are saying, that even though Aaron and, Mir, Aaron and Moshe are chaverim, Aaron still treats them like a Rebbe. Okay? The assumption is they're chaverim, but you see, even so, he treats them like a Rebbe. So the Nitzit points out, Tesis Yontav asks, that by the ego, he also says, al yicharaf adoni. So the Nitzit's answer is, is brilliant. He says, be'esa ego, you see it up there? <laughs> By the Egel, he was just a smart, brilliant fellow, but he didn't have the information yet to set up his own Sanhedrin. So then, of course, Moshe was Aaron's Rebbe. <laughs> Once Moshe taught him everything, and Aaron is a good listener, and he remembered everything, look what he says here. Shuvo yenitzra he didn't need Moshe anymore to invent something, to, to expand it, to extrapolate, to come up with something. He was Moshe's equal in a different way. So this answers your question a little bit about Yisrael. In other words, it means that Aaron wasn't part of that system. Aaron had a different system. Yisrael was telling Moshe one system of, of justice, but Aaron was, was the head man of the other system. It's not in the Pasuk at all. It's a Chiddush, but at least it, 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 it answers the amazing question. Otherwise, was everybody is... assuming that everybody in Klaisol had a Moshe type of question and not a Aaron type of question. But, but, but this answers the question, can anybody ever argue with Moshe? Was it possible? The Chorah didn't make sense. How did Korach even think he could have an argument? The Nitziv opens this up because he says... 
Moshe didn't have everything. Moshe was clear about what he got, but there was new events, new issues, and new things. And there you needed a new energy and a new power. So here we have sort of like a, a template. Moshe and Aaron have two different kochas. By the way, um, to me, when I, I, I saw this piece, I, I mean, I know about the, I've been learning how McDover for a long time. And this piece about Moshe and Aaron is really, to tell you the truth, is really the Nitziv speaking about himself and his co-Rosh Hashiva, the Beis HaLevi, uh, who was a Levi, who was sort of the Aaron. Um, again, uh, nobody could match the Beis HaLevi, Rabbi Yosef Dov Salvechik I, in Harifus, in brilliance, in, 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 he would come up with these blitz svaras. And the Nitziv, as anyone who, who, who learns the Nitziv svarim, realizes that he is... Uh, uh, a, a careful examiner of points and ideas and he felt that the yeshiva should be more the Moshe style which is vushtet, how are we going to be medayikit don't just go off and compare one suya to another even though the Bachram loved that the Bachram loved, and you can imagine why it's not just Aaron is Mr. Santa Claus but Aaron is also Mr. Exciting Magachir even the young people, like the Nitziv, were, were more connected to them, the same way the Beis HaLevi was the more popular Magid Shir and Valoshin. Because people like it when they don't have to gribble a rye and be medayik. Okay, I didn't get that again. What's the diuk again anymore? Uh, it's so subtle. What's the difference? People like it when they can hear the two dinim, and it's clearly this and not that, and then they're off flying to the to some other incredible place. Good question. And Siv actually deals with that too. And he says that whenever Moshe spoke Torah, all of that was eliminated. That was only in his private speech. Whenever Moshe was... When, when, when Moshe had to transmit Torah, he didn't stutter. Now you're right. Moshe, you have a good point, Andrew. Right, but once as a transmitter of Torah, his voice was amplified and he had no stutter. But it could be when he was privately discussing among the Moshe groupies, it could be his stutter came back. You have a good point. Again, the Nitziv really, this shtickle Torah is not just tells you about how brothers can work together. It also explains how Moshe, there could be an argument with Moshe, how Machlokas is possible. Again, it opens up. And like I said, I think the Nitziv developed it based on his own life experience running a yeshiva together with someone who was so different than himself. And part of what he was <coughs> convincing himself and convincing the yeshiva, because he gave shiurim about this, the, these shiurim were given every single day. The hamik dover, the stuff that's in hamik dover, was given every day after davening in Baloshan. The bacham would come and he would speak about it. And he developed it more in some of his drushas. But the point was, is Torah isn't always as exciting as you think it is. Sometimes it's Xeris HaKosavdik, sometimes it's a little, it's a pilpo and a hakira and a posik. It's not, it's not always as exciting as, as, as the Beis HaLevi was making it. And of course that was part of what, uh, they weren't brothers, but they were trying to work together. And I have to tell you, in Velozhin it actually split apart. It didn't actually work. But the idea of, at least the Nitziv posted the ideal of the way it can work. You know, that, that our own can be a separate guy. There's going to be the ultimate ruler of the yeshiva and of, 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 the, of the camp is Moshe Rabbeinu. <laughs> but there is room for the Beis HaLevi. There is room for our own to be the Moshe Rabbeinu.
way with, you're describing it, Aaron and Moshe weren't together either. They came, the way, right. The way, the way you're describing it is that really they were two separate boxes. Right, but uh, there were times when they sat biyachad. The same way the, uh, it, 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 there's a, uh, um, you know, the, the Nitziv would sometimes sit in by the Beis HaLevi Shiurim. Um, there was a, uh, a famous thing, and again, I think I might have mentioned this in previous times. The, the Beis HaLevi once, uh, when he realized there's a lot of rumblings against the Nitziv's derech, um, he gave a special shear, and um, it was not on the topic that they were talking about. And everybody stood up afterwards and said, it was great, tremendous. I was, we're happy that you didn't give shear on the daf. You gave shear on some new topic. So he said, you know where that's from? It's from, the, it's from, the, it's from, it's from, Reb Hersh, from, they called him, um, Reb Hersh, that's what they called the Nativ. It's from Reb Hersh's Sefer on the Shiltis. I just said it over, but it's really his, it's his Torah. So he was trying to show them that sometimes, you know, you get farchapped by the personality. But really, it, it, again, a lot depends on how you twist it, but it is possible to make, to have a melding of both of these elements. It's not, doesn't always work, but that's that. Um, I want to move from there to, um, one of the most famous figures in all of Shas. Um, and that's Rav Yehuda Bar Yecheskel. Bar Yecheskel? Who's he? You're right. Because normally, Stam, Rav Yehuda, and Shas, we don't even know the, who his father is. But there is a Gemara in Kedushan, which we learned here in the Yeshiva, I think, a couple of years ago, <clears throat> that uh, Rav Yehuda uh, happened, who was the Rosh Yeshiva, and the, the establisher of the Pumpadisa Yeshiva. You've heard of Pumpadisa. Surah and Pumpadisa. Yeah. Sura you've heard of, right? The yeshiva called Sura. In Bavel, there were these two big yeshivas, Sura and Pumpadisa. So Pumpadisa was started by Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda started in Bavel. No, no, this is 200 years later. This is an Amora. These were the Amoraim, the people who created the Gemara. So Rav Yehuda... Rav Yehuda was a student of Rav and Shmuel, but his father, he also learned by, his father was uh, Rav Yecheskel. In fact, the Gemara Kedushin says that Shmuel told him that he should stand up for his father even way before he sees him because he's a tremendous tzaddik. The Gemara Kedushin also mentions there, you might remember, why Shmuel told him that. Because it says that Yecheskel was learning with Yehuda's younger brother, Rami. And he was saying over a mission in Sanhedrin about what would happen if people who are high of Sreifa gets mixed in with people who are high of Skila, and what would happen, how, how do you put them to death, what's going on, do they get the le- lesser punishment, which is the lesser punishment. So he's, uh, he's enjoying studying with his father. So Yehuda came over and said, Abba, don't, I think you have the wrong Nusach in the Mishnah. You should say it like this. Shmuel heard what Yehuda was doing and he said, hey, that's not the way to correct your dad. You have to be careful. Your dad is a big Balmaisim. From that story, there's a number of things. Yehuda had a younger brother called Rami. Yehuda had a, bro- a father, Yechesko. Yechesko had two sons that we know of, an older brother, Yehuda, a younger brother, Rami. Rami bar Yechesko and Rav Yehuda, Stam. <laughs> he outpaced his father. 
We don't need to know him as uh, as his father's name. He's Rev Yehuda. And he had a glorious career. He was a student, I said, by Rav, Rav Asi, and Shmuel, the three biggest names in Bovel. He started Pumpadisa. His Talmidim were uh, the greats, Rabba, Rabbi Yosef, right? And then eventually his, 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 his great-granddaughter married Abaya. I mean, he was Pumpadisa. He stood for it. And one thing that he was extremely strong about was, we've got it in Bovel. Every shliach who came from Eretz Yisrael stopped in Pumpadisa. Ula, Rabbi Brachana, everybody came there and they all had tremendous covet for Rabbi Yehuda, who had been Mishamish the Gedele Adar. Everyone knew he was called Shinana, sharp, brilliant. But there was one thing that Rav Abba and Rav Zeira knew. Don't mention leaving Bovel to him. Right? He may even darshan the Posek that Koha Oila may Bovel that you can't leave Bovel. Eretz Yisrael was great, but right now Bovel is where it where it counts, and he was the recipient of the greatness of Bovel. Now his younger brother started in Bovel like him, but his younger brother went went to Eretz Yisrael and spent a lot of time there, and in fact. Uh, as you're going to see in a second, um, he was extremely critical of his older brother. So let's take a look. This is from what I think is probably still has never been surpassed. If any of you want to learn Gemara at the same time, Siamashas <coughs> is coming. So... I don't know how many are you going to jump in on the next train when we start brachos again. But if you do, I advise you not only to have a Tanakh on your side, but also have this book, Seder Told Us Tanayim Bamaroyim, which anytime you want to know who's who, he's going to give you it, and he's not going to be long-winded about it, and it's not going to be full of footnotes that are going to... Yes. So... A glossary of all the names and of all the, all the Tanayim and Amaroyim. As you can see, Rami Bar Yecheskel was the younger brother of Rav Yehuda. And, as you can see here, he went up to... Uh, he went back to Bovel afterwards, but he brought Brysis with him, as you can see. Tony Rami Bar Yecheskel. Rami Bar Yecheskel was full of Brysis. One thing that Bovel did not have was the vestigial material from the Mishnayos. Bovel was a big thrival. I know Eretz Yisrael was holier, but Bovel is where the brains are, but they're leaving us alone. The yeshivas are bigger. It's, it's better to stay here. We're developing something here in Pumpadisa. The Gemara says that the Harifi of Pumpadisa were able to be Aile, uh, Pila, Bekupa de Machta, that they were able to put uh, an elephant is, is under attack. Eretz Yisrael, they're dealing with a lot worse oppression. It, stay here. That was Yehuda's idea. And his brothers actually <laughs> did the opposite. His brother went to Eretz Yisrael and he collected Brysis. And he, and he was able to... Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel that when you have to collect on a document, Eid V'day and Mitzarfim. Now, uh, give me 30 seconds to explain what this means. Okay, let's assume that I borrow um, 
that William, I lent William some money. So William writes a star to me that says, I uh, borrowed $150 from Avram Kipolevich. Okay, so I've got the star. He wrote it. We get uh, Ellie and Mark to sign the star. Now I have the star. The problem is, is that Chazal were worried that there were a lot of fakers out there. A lot of people out there who knew how to write phony documents and make them look good. So what I need to what I need to what Photoshop. So what I need to do is to go to Dayanim. And I have to bring my Dayanim and because I just wrote the, we just lent you the money recently, I still have my Adim who can come to Besden and they'll say yes, we saw it. We don't do the loan in front of Besden, but Mark and Ellie tell the Dayanim that this is their signature, and the Dayan puts a chasima on the star and says, this star has been validated by me. That's the handbook, right. <laughs> James Thurber would be happy about that, right? But that's, that's, that's the handbook. And the handbook says, oh, and now you can, you can I, I, I'm comfortable now that I'm going to collect against you. That's the key stars. That's the Sugeng Suvis. It's notarized. It's notarized. Now let's say the handpick was not put on the star for some reason, but when I come to the star, I come, but I did come to the Dayonim and they, I brought the Adam. There was no handpick though. I don't know why. I then come to William when the star is due and he claims it's a forgery. So we go to, we go to another Besden and I bring one of the Dayonim and one of the Adam. So the Dian, the aide says, yeah, I was there. I saw the loan. The Dian says, yeah, I was there when he came to me with the, with the, with the document. So the question is, Shmuel, according to Rabbi Yehuda, said that that's kosher. That's mitzvah if I can now collect against William, even though I didn't. So the Gemara asks on that. The Gemara says, how could that be? The two aides, they're not the same aides. You guys are, are testifying that a loan occurred. All you're testifying is that a, a person came and said that was his signature. Ultimately, they, they're, they're connected, but it's not testimony on the same thing. It couldn't, that can't be ages on the loan. So people were scratching their heads about this psaac. <clears throat> so Rami shows up, and Rami said the following. He said, Lo tatsisinu lahani kloli dekayo Yehuda achi. You guys should not be listening to what my brother has been saying. My brother goes around saying all these, and this happened, this is like two or three times in Shas, where another place is by, uh, where a man divorces his wife, and we force the divorce, we force the divorcee to nurse the baby. As long as the baby needs to be nursed, he has to pay her. But even though they're divorced, but there's a baby, but the man has to. So the question is, how long does it have to last for? So Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, a month. After a month, the relationship's over. You don't have the baby's a month old. Because when the baby recognizes the mother, will only nurse from the mother. A month? A baby doesn't necessarily uh, is connected to the mother at a month old. You can replace. Uh, uh, the, uh, 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 a one-month-old baby with the wet nurse. Both of these psokim were said by Rav Yehuda in the name of Shmuel. That 
my brother said a lot of things, the name is Shmuel, but sometimes he overstated it. So here's my impression. And again, it's a, it's a, it, you could argue, but here's an example of a brother. Again, his brother is, I'm staying in Bovel and I'm being an yeshiva here, and I'm having the students... Whereas Rami was an explorer. Rami goes to Eretz Yisrael, he finds Bryce's that nobody else has, and he actually bothers him that, that his brother, you know, is, is riding on the back of his great teacher, Shmuel, and he says, he's wrong. Those, he, he got, he got, man, don't think that everything my brother said is straight from the horse's mouth. So, from Rami and Yehuda, and the Gemara, one thing's great about the Gemara, the Gemara doesn't, the Gemara does not, try that hard to cover the warts and the issues. If you remember, I, I, I can speculate, maybe it's Freudian, that he wasn't so happy with the way Rami, Yehuda corrected his dad, remember? He was studying with his brother, and Yehuda comes and says, hey, you know, dad, I think this is the way it should be. Yehuda was a superstar. He's, he, he was one of the, without Yehuda, the shots falls off. So what, how does his younger brother react? His younger brother becomes sort of the opposite. He becomes great in a different way. Sometimes that's what happens when you have a brother who's such a stellar person, a brother who outshines his father, the tzaddik. The younger brother has to be something else. And that could be an explanation of why we don't necessarily see the type of interworking together. Now again, you might think that I'm, I'm pushing the envelope here, but I think all of us who have brothers and know about them realize that this is a natural dynamic to occur. And maybe it worked out better for Klal Yisrael in this way because Rumi became a better bridge between Eretz Yisrael and Bava was able to bring all these prices. But sometimes that's what happens. You stake out your own uh, situation. Um, I have a couple minutes. I want to make a start on the last one. What was the name of the Sefer name? Told us Tanoim Amaroyim from Rav Aaron Hyman of Eloshner Talmud. <coughs> Well, I want to really, I want to shoot back, into, and we're going to make a Kaddish to Rabbanon when we finish today. I want to shoot a couple minutes into about 200 years ago. I want to set the stage over here. Um, and I hope it's still up here. It's still here? Yeah. It looks like it's lost. Oh, here it is. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to uh, print this because it's such a rare... They don't let you print it on Oitzer uh, Chachma. I want to talk about um, the teamwork of the Margolis brothers. The Margolis brothers. Ephraim mm-hmm. Zalman Margolis and his younger brother, Ephraim Mordechai Margolis. Now, Ephraim Zalman Margolis was one of the most famous names of the uh, early part of the 19th century. Um, and actually, he was uh, uh, very active at the end of the 18th century as well. Um, he was uh, he was known as Ephraim Salman Margolis of Broad. <coughs> but we've mentioned him here. Yankee, what Sefer did we mention uh, quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, you remember? Ephraim Salman Sefer, you know what I'm talking about? Um, the the Mat Ephraim, right? Mat Ephraim. And we've also mentioned uh, often the um, his Sefer on, on Hilchus Kriyas HaTayra. But those Sfarim 
although we're very, very beloved Svarim, the Sefer Shari Ephraim, he was, a, he wrote <coughs> Chuvas, the Chuvas based Ephraim. His actually, one of his first Svarim was a Sefer on, 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 um, on, um, Trefus. He wrote a Sefer on Hilchus Trefus, which was pretty heavy duty work. As someone who learned Chul not that long ago, I can tell you it's not an easy thing to understand all the Trefus. And his book was considered a, 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 an incredible Sefer. He also wrote Shuvas on all, on Arachayim and Ibn Ezer and all Chelke Ashas, all Chelke Shulchan Aruch. What made him unique was that he was not a rabbi in the classical sense. He worked as a rough for a short time, but he was able to somehow get into the diamond business. And he was able, by getting into the diamond business, to eventually earn so much money that he was able to open up a hardware store, a chain of different hardware store chains that would serve the community around him. So one of the things that Prime Zomargovas had, and we might have a minute to, to say Kaddish, was that he was able to be Mafarnas himself. Now, that doesn't mean like Hillel, who was able to chop wood and, and, and pay a pruta. He became a real wealthy person, a person that was a supporter of yeshivos, as well as one of the premier poskim. In other words, it's almost like if you take a look at, if you look in his chuvas, you'll see that they didn't just write him you know, things because they were trying to hunt for him. People came to him to pask in difficult agunashilas. He has questions uh, all over uh, in, in, in some of the most difficult areas. So he was considered a Veltzgoyen, Rafraim Zalman Margolis of Broad. He had a brother who was 20 years his junior. 20 years his junior. Rafraim Zalman was born in 1760. His brother was born in 1780. Prime Zomargos, and a lot of it had to do, when you're powerful and wealthy, people are anyway attracted to you. But his Svarim, he hit, people enjoyed it. They're not so learned today. Um, and, and that's, you know, a lot of it is because he's somewhat long-winded. But he was well-known. The Maritzchius, from Tzvi when he was trying to defend himself, uh, and he got into trouble because the Chassidim and others thought that he was too much of a liberal thinker, he would always quote the fact that his Rebbe was Rafaim Zalmar Golis in Broad. That's who he studied by. He was considered a name. He was considered a positive. His younger brother did not share his wealth. And his younger brother was able to snag a Rabonis in a city that's very famous in our literature, the city of Dubna. He was the Rav of Dubna. Dubna had a uh, printing press that, for a number of years, had printed beautiful svarim. One of the things that an idea that came to his younger brother was, maybe he could reestablish the printing press, not just be the rov in some small, smallish town, but we could print svarim, and svarim that Claudius Rome needs. And his younger brother had an idea that you know what Klai Yisrael could really gain from? A Shulchan Aruch that is usable. The Shulchan Aruch in many ways is so big and heavy and overloaded. The Beis Yosef, of course, wanted the Shulchan Aruch to be used once a month, not just Arachayim. All four Chalakim of, 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 of Shulchan Aruch was meant to be studied in one month by a person who was a Talmud Chacham to go over it. 
Okay, that wasn't going to happen anymore. But at least, if, if you have to go, let's even in Arachayim, if you have to go through every Mogan Avram and Taz and understand it, it's almost... It, it, it's, it's, today we have today the world has changed because of the Mishnah But remember what the world was like then. The Shulchan Aruch was was almost a, 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 a sea that was impossible to wade through. So, a little bit of the answer had appeared already. There was a sefer that was written by one machaber and then added to by a different one called the Bear Hatev. It was written by. Again, there's an interesting history here. But the idea of the Sefer was, can you condense everything? I understand it can't be just the Shulchan Aruch anymore. But I know that the Mogan Avram and the Taz and, 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 and the Levush and others have spoken. Is it possible you can just give me um, sort of like the, the, the short version of what they say in order for me to understand how to deal with this question? And this way I can read the words of the Shulchan Aruch. I don't have the Mogan Avram and the Taz, which are like overload, and, they're, and sometimes they're so cryptic and sometimes they wrote uh, incorrectly even in terms of their grammar. That's hard to know. So that was the Bear Hatev. And that, that was first published in about 1708. The Bear Hatev also addressed another uh, issue, which was what about the fact that there were tshuvas? In other words, once the time the Beis Yosef had written the Shulchan Aruch, then poskim throughout different <coughs> communities would now use the Shulchan Aruch as the basis of their questions that came up. So isn't it worthwhile to know what this Tshuva Sefer said and what they say in that Sefer? People weren't wealthy, like Rabbi Ephraim Zalmar Govas, to be able to afford all these farah. It would be great if there would be some place where someone would be able, even if he owned this farah, to be able to find it on the spot, to have it all put in a way that was a concise condensation that took the assailing points and put them there. The Berhetev started that, but it was, it, was, it was woefully incomplete by the time 1820 rolled around. 1820, not only did you have the Chuvis Chacham Tzvi and the Chuvis of, 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 of the Night of Yehuda, I mean, you had so many brilliant things, and, and a person reading Shulchan Aruch could think he was lost. Either so, the Rabbi Shmuel younger brother had an idea of putting chuvas, not every single word of the chuva, but the basic element of the chuvas together, and having it connected to the Shulchan Aruch, because whoever wrote the chuva was basing himself on ideas in the Shulchan Aruch or the actual psakim of the Shulchan Aruch. And that's where the idea of the Shari Tshuva came about. And that, as you know, the Chafetz Chaim insisted that it be printed in every version of the Mishnabura, the Shari Tshuva and the Berhetev. And those of you who were Mishnabura might wonder, why is the Berhetev there and the Shari Tshuva there? It almost like, okay, right? It's, it's like it's up on the top. And how many people, when they, when they open their set of Mishnabura, are even looking there? Right? There's a story that the Chavetz Chaim said he didn't want to put the Berhetev out of business completely. He knew that what he was doing was going to become the standard, so he wanted to give a schus to the Berhetev. And the Berhetev is not just one person. It was actually done in different kufas, which I'll talk about a little bit at a different time. But the point is, is that the Shari Tshuva was the idea of Rav Chaim uh, Mordechai Margolis. And he needed help. What he needed help with was <coughs> reestablishing the printing press in Duvna. 
giving him the money to publish it. And Rabbi Ephraim Zalman gave him the money, and he said, I've got something else that can maybe help. In your, it's a, uh, I, I'm going to, I love the idea. I want to help you 100%. I'm also going to give you my chidushim, which on the Taz and the Mogan Avram and on the Shulchan Aruch, it's not what you're doing, but we'll put it on the bottom. And it was called the Yad Ephraim. Today, if you look in a big Shulchan Aruch, the Yad Ephraim is a little hand that's on the side. But in the addition that he and his brother conceived of, his brother's Shari Tshuva would be, you have the Ber Hetev, which did a good job of giving you the concise version of the Poskim, of the Mogan Avram and the Taz. Then the Shari Tshuva giving you the ancillary material, but the incredible material of the Poskim going into up into this present time. And to sweeten the deal, there was the, was the, the, the brilliant and beloved comments of the Ephraim Saramagolis, the Yad Ephraim. All financed by the Yad Ephraim, by Ephraim Salman. So what he did was, recognizing his brother, and if you look at the Haskamas, you'll see they all say, Goin Oilam, Goin Yisrael on the brother. And they talk about the younger brother as an up-and-coming Goin, as a, as, as a, as a Mephursim, as a smart guy. But the point of the way they were going to work was, was that he would supply the money, and he would go to the other Rabbanim. For that 1820 edition of the Shulchan Aruch, it has Askom of the Mitla Rebbe, that's the Lubavitcher Rebbe's son, which was incredible, because their five Zermagos had a lot of influence among the Chassidim, the, Bab, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe's son. He also had Askom from the Chassam Seifer, the Chavaz Das. It's like, as you call it, murder Israel, right? He had, he had that scum of the biggest people from the widest area for this safer and how great it was going to be. That's a brother showing love, concern, and also adding what he did best, which was the chidushim, which everybody was crazy about. People, oh, in the Frimes Amagolis, we're going to see his chidushim too. Unfortunately, although he was 20 years younger, he died two or three years after the first uh, Arachayim came out. He only lived to be 42, the Shari Chut Rechayim Mardchayim. His older brother lived to be 67. He was he outlived him by four years. And one of the things he did after his brother died was that he finished writing the Shari Chuva. So many times if you look in, in, in the Shari Chuva, you'll see he says, Vakvar Kasafti, I wrote this in one of my other books. Take a look at what I wrote in the in the in the in the Shara Ephraim. Take a look at what I wrote in the Mate uh, Mate Ephraim. Not only did he believe in his brother and try to set his brother up as something unique and acceptable, which it was a great idea, but also he finished the job. He rolled up his sleeves afterwards and he actually Continued the same. It's 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 painstaking work. It's very easy to write your own stuff. It's a lot harder to read what everybody else said and then condense it and then write it down and put it there for people to use. But Ephraim Samagos believed in the idea of his brother. So I think we've given you in these three. I didn't really do proper justice to maybe any of them, but with Moshe and Aaron, Yehuda and Rami. And Ephraim Zalman and Chaim Mordechai. A sense of how teamwork of brothers can produce something great. 
um, sometimes at distance with each other. Uh, again, I would, uh, but these are examples how brothers can work letayeles for Klal Yisrael, despite the differences between them, despite the age gap, despite the financial difference between them. And like I said, uh, for Rabbi Dovi, uh, we are, are inspired by your love and, and your connection to, to Rabbi. And it should only be marba schusim for your mishpocha. And Mitzvah Shem, we should get. Uh, we'll go next week. We'll we'll deal with some more brothers, uh, but it's all going to be based in some part by the inspiration that you injected for us. Chadim and Akasha Imer, Rotzak Kadosh Baruch Hu Vazaki says Yisrael, Afika Kir Ben Torah Mitzvah Shenemar, Anoy Chofet Zaman Sikto Yagdil Tayro Viyadir. That you injected for us.